0: I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. How in the world do we set boundaries with a covert narcissist? How do we protect ourselves from all the damage that they are doing? The boundaries that we need to set are for us, not for them. The boundaries are for you. I'm going to give you four boundaries today to consider and work on. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. So how do we set boundaries? Setting boundaries for them is like giving them a challenge. Like, it's game on. Basically, a guarantee that they will do it, whatever it is. Uh, For example, one of the boundaries that I tried to set is, hey, I do not want you to bring the alimony check to my back door. Please put it in the mailbox for me. Well, that was a guarantee. I didn't see it at the time, but it was a guarantee that he's going to show up at my back door. Not only did he bring it to my back door, but he one time just walked straight into the house you know, my mom and my son were sitting right there, I was standing right there, and he just walked right in. Again, giving them a boundary is like a guarantee that they're going to do it. And just kind of a side note, maybe some of us can actually use this part to our advantage. So I'm just going to go ahead and say this uh, before I get to the four boundaries that I want to give you today. If there is something you really want them to do, If you can find a way to present it as a boundary to them, you might just guarantee that they will do it. You know, for example, if you put a boundary up of, hey, please do not buy that expensive gift for our kid, uh, they almost certainly will get it. Or, hey, please don't buy organic foods at the store, and you're going to find yourself with organic food. So, just a side note to consider. Now, let's get back on track. The true boundary setting is for you, not for them. And I want to give you four boundaries today. And number one is stop explaining yourself to them. The covert narcissist in your life does not actually care about your thoughts and feelings. Remember, they have no empathy. They're not trying to understand your point of view. They only care about what relates back to them. They don't want to hear any reasons or justifications, and they certainly won't accept them or validate them. No matter what you say, and I mean no matter what you say, they will always still have a reason that you are wrong because they don't actually care about your thoughts and your opinions. They will still drive your feelings into the ground and stomp all over them even if what you are saying is totally justified. So stop explaining yourself to them. It is pointless and it just prolongs the circular conversation that you are trapped in. Now, not only does it prolong it, but when you try to explain yourself to them, it actually puts you on the defense. You are defending yourself. And covert narcissists love for you to be on the defense. It puts them in the position of power and control. They feel justified and superior, and this is never a good position for you. So when you explain or defend yourself, you are simply giving them fuel for their attacks. Certainly stop defending yourself. You do not owe them an explanation for how or what you think or feel. You are just allowed to be you. But you may have to reclaim that right narcissistic people use intimidation to cause you to second guess yourself and so now you have to explain yourself you feel like you know they they question everything they challenge everything and so that puts you on that that defense and on that need to explain but from this they gain a feeling of power and control because you are now the one defending yourself to them You do not need to defend or justify yourself. This is a boundary you need to put in place for you. You're not going to get them to stop doing what they're doing, but you can stop doing what you're doing. You can stop, you know, explaining yourself and defending yourself. You can choose that inside of you. So now when they get critical, you just simply say something like, okay, I hear you and I'll consider it and walk away. Or, you know, I'm, I'm really confident in my thoughts and, and choices and walk away. Have a, a, a simple answer. Have something that is your go-to that when they come out with those attacks, the criticalness, the negative, um, passive-aggressive comments, instead of explaining yourself, because that's where we a lot of us go, and instead of defending yourself, have something ready to go of just, okay, I'll think about it and that's it. Don't give them any more fuel. You get to choose whether you engage or not. You get to choose how much of you you share. Be more protective of your internal world when you are dealing with a manipulative person. Learn to walk away. You are allowed to leave an interaction. This goes right along. I'm still talking about not explaining and defending yourself. If you do not wish to stay in this conversation, walk away. A covert narcissist will take away your right to leave an interaction, and you have to claim it back. They will use fear, obligation, and guilt to keep you trapped in their circular conversation and gaslighting and blaming and guilting and all of this. They'll say things, you know, how they use fear. They say things like, well, if you walk out, I'm going to hurt myself. That's a fear tactic. Or if they say, you know, they might even use intimidation to just say, "Don't you dare walk out on me!" And they puff themselves all up. And so that's fear. They're trying to instill fear in you. The obligation piece. They'll say, "Well, you have to talk to me. How else can we work it out?" You know, you're you're my spouse. You're my partner. Uh, you're my you know teammate. So you have to talk to me. And that appeals to our sense of obligation. We feel obligated to stay and try to work this out, even though the conversation at the time we know is not. Uh, productive. They'll use guilt. You know, sure, just walk out on me. I can see that you don't care and that that pulls on our guilt strings. And, and so we feel, again, obligated and guilt kind of go hand in hand is, is we feel like we have to stay. You are allowed to walk away. When a conversation is not productive and you know from experience, you know if you've lived these conversations, you know they're not productive you know that, you know, you're trapped in these circular conversations. You have to learn to leave. If you're new to this, you can use, you know, like your phone as an excuse. You know, just like act like your phone buzzed in your pocket. And go, oh, sorry, I need to take this call and walk out before he even has a chance to, you know, ask who it is or whatever. Just walk out or go, you know, hey, I'm running late. I got to go. Late to what? I don't care. It doesn't matter. Late to getting in your car and leaving. If you're more ready to claim your freedom of choice as an adult, then you can be more honest and just say, I'm not having this conversation right now. This is not healthy for me. Or, you know, we can try to talk later when you are calmer or when we can be more productive. Maybe later we can be more respectful and and constructive. And then don't listen to their threats, intimidation, or attempts to keep you hooked. They will try. Refuse to engage at this point, no matter what they do or say, and just walk away. Again, this boundary is for you, not for them. They don't have any. The second boundary is stop making yourself vulnerable to them. A covert narcissist will never allow themselves to be vulnerable. They see it only as a weakness. And they they will use that weakness in you when you are trying to be vulnerable with them. They will exploit that. They do not have the emotional intelligence to see that there is beauty in being vulnerable. People who are emotionally healthy, they understand that vulnerability shows strength. It, it requires that strength to, you know, when you allow yourself to be vulnerable, that it creates this connectedness and this intimacy with the other person. And it's a beautiful thing. Without vulnerability, True intimacy does not exist because without vulnerability, everything becomes manipulated. It's manipulation and it's it's control and it's power. And, And so we know as emotionally healthy people, you see the value in vulnerability when you can put your guard down and be safe with this person. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But when you're with a covert narcissist, your own vulnerability just gets used against you over and over and over. So you, to protect yourself, are certainly going to need to stop making yourself vulnerable to them. I understand that it is isn't our nature. It is in our nature to be vulnerable to our partner. Because like I said, that's how you build an environment of trust and intimacy. But every time you make yourself vulnerable to them, it puts them in a power position. It's an opening for manipulation and one-upmanship. Remember, to a covert narcissist, everything is a competition. So they can't be vulnerable, even in their relationship with you. So how do we stop making ourselves vulnerable to them? You know, this goes back to what kind of ties in with the first boundary is stop explaining yourself, stop defending yourself, stop, you know, being overly honest with them yeah, you can be honest, I'm not telling you to lie to them, but stop being overly honest. Stop, you know, opening your heart to them. Learn to sidestep their intrusive questions or their negative comments or their passive aggressive remarks. There is an art to gracefully steering the conversation back to the safe topics, the topics they love to discuss or that make them feel good about themselves. I got really good at this art. I'll give you an example. You know, he was overly critical of me doing anything that did not involve him, even though for years I tried to include him. One of these activities was Tai Chi training. I really enjoyed, you know, training in Tai Chi. I had a a one-on-one work with with an instructor. I was really happy with it. And I had tried many times to get him to come to that, you know, to that lesson and, and join me in that training, but he would not do it. But he would bring it up in his little passive aggressive way of, yeah, you're just going to your Tai Chi again, yet another thing you won't do with me, and and on and on, all the stuff he would say. And it would open the door, you know, for me to defend my desire to train or to defend that I had asked him to come many times. But instead, what I would do is I would just start asking questions about the history of Tai Chi. You know, hey, yeah, where did Tai Chi originate again? He loved to show off his great knowledge. I would simply shift the conversation there and off he would go. It didn't matter that he'd already told me this stuff before or that it was stuff that I already knew. I didn't care. I was just trying to get the conversation back to a peaceful place. And by the time he was done sharing his amazing knowledge, the original issue was gone. It had disappeared out of mind, out of thought, whatever. It was just gone. So, so learn to sidestep, learn to shift, learn to steer those conversations back to safe topics. Uh, This will give you that room to stop making yourself vulnerable to him, to them. It will take away, you know, that need to explain or defend yourself and put it back in a safe space. Uh, This is not the way I'd want to live for the rest of my life, but it certainly bought me some time while I tried to, you know, got on that path of healing and tried to figure out what I wanted to do. The third boundary is stop expecting them to change and stop trying to help them change or fix them. I dug in for years, absolutely convinced that he would change and that he could grow emotionally. In fact, when I first started therapy, the therapy the, the therapist talked with me about narcissism and a lot of what he was saying lined up with what I was experiencing. There's no doubt about it. The, the light bulbs were going off. But when he said, narcissists never changed. Sorry, narcissists never change. I told him right then that my husband is not a narcissist. He can change. I just have to find the right words, the right way to explain it to him. He can do this. And right then and there, I decided my husband was not a narcissist. In fact, I asked the therapist to help me find that way. Help me figure out how to help him. And he definitely gave me suggestions. You know, while all along he was also giving me tools to start my own healing. It took time. I'm not nobody's going to see it until they're really truly ready to see it. And I realized now that he was right. My covert narcissistic husband was is never going to change. But until I came to that conclusion, nobody else was going to convince me of it. And the same thing is true for you until you come to that conclusion. Until you're ready to see it, you won't see it. But I'm telling you, stop expecting them to change and stop trying to fix them. When we dig in so hard trying to help them, we sacrifice a lot of ourselves. And I'm I'm the kind of person, I'm very willing to make sacrifices for others. I am. I will give so much of my time, my energy, and my effort. And and for my spouse, absolutely. I became more and more vulnerable with him absolutely convinced that my own vulnerability would show him that he was safe with me and that he could be vulnerable too. Desperately wanting him to experience the beauty of that connectedness that vulnerability brings. But someone who cannot and will not allow themselves to be vulnerable will never experience that beauty. Their own protectiveness and defensiveness stands in their way. And there is simply nothing you can do about that. Their protectiveness shuts out any chance of self-reflection or personal responsibility because that requires vulnerability. You cannot love this out of them no matter how badly you want to. It is incredibly rare for a narcissist to change. I'm not going to say it never happens. But it will only happen if they truly do it for themselves. If they are doing it for you, uh, trying to make changes or trying to work on it and doing it for you, it isn't real. And trying to help them simply keeps you trapped in the abuse. I recently heard a really good analogy for this. And, and I'm a helper. I'm, I'm quick to jump in and to help someone when they're down. And and when it is somebody that I deeply care about, I sometimes find myself down there with them. And the analogy is of a well. You know, imagine that your loved one, and for many of us, you know, think about this being your, your covert narcissistic partner. Imagine that they're living down in a deep well and they're stuck in that well, isolated and sad, hurt, angry, and so on. And you see them down in this well and you want to help. And so you go get a really long ladder. You know, you can grab a flashlight, a bottle of water, maybe a jacket for them. You put the ladder in the well and you climb down and you can give them the water and the supplies that you bring. You can offer them a hug. You can offer some emotional encouragement. You can even show them how to use the ladder. You know, you put your foot here and your hand there, but you cannot climb the ladder for them. You can't even make them do it. You know, I can't put their foot on the rungs and, and take their hand and grab the ladder and then make them move. They have to do it themselves. And if they really don't want to climb that ladder, there is nothing you can do about it. You certainly can't, can't carry them up the ladder. You can just stick them on your back and carry them up the ladder. You can't force them to use the ladder. And what you cannot do is choose to stay down in that well with them. I will climb that ladder and go back up for fresh air. And the healthy life that I'm living. The choice from there, that's up to them. So, yes, offer tools, support, encouragement, even some guidance, but you cannot do it for them. It is absolutely okay to keep your desire to help others, but you cannot do the work for them. If they do not climb that ladder, it is not your fault. Whether they climb that ladder or not is totally and completely up to them. It's not your responsibility, it's not your choice. So you draw the boundary there. I will help, but I will not take responsibility. And when that covert narcissist in your life lays all that blame on you, and they will, do not accept it. Do not internalize it. Do not ponder it or replay it over and over. Do not carry the guilt for it. Picture them down there in that well. You've provided help and support, and now the rest is up to them. And when they hand you that blame, you know, well, what you said didn't work, even though they sabotage their own efforts all the time, then having a simple response that just says, okay, well, I hope you find a better way then. And you walk away. The fourth boundary, stop making excuses for them. There are many reasons that we make excuses for them. We want to believe that they are a good person. Maybe they really are having a bad day. And so we use that excuse. Or maybe they actually really don't feel good. They had a rough childhood. Sometimes we we make excuses just because we want other people to like them. We want our friends and family to like them. So we make excuses. We want our kids to like them. So we make excuses. Maybe we do it just simply because we want peace. And we see that as maybe the best way to get there. We make excuses because it is easier than holding them accountable for their bad behavior. Covert narcissists know the difference between good and bad. They know what is acceptable behavior and what isn't. And if you're not feeling sure about this, look at the difference between how they treat you in front of others and how they treat you at home behind closed doors. They know the difference but they justify their bad behavior. You deserved it because you hurt them so badly or because you are weaker than them and you need to be educated or simply because they are better and entitled to the superior position. Stop making excuses for them. I justified his behavior inside my own head for years. I justified it to our boys, to my family, to our friends. Just stop. When their behavior is bad, simply say, that's on him or that's on her. They need to be responsible for their own behavior and making excuses for them normalizes their behavior and prolongs it. Another potential way to handle this is simply call them out on their behavior. You know, it it stopped me from making excuses when I would just look at them and go, are you trying to make me feel bad? Or you might say, you know, well, do you know that you're interrupting me when I talk to you? If you're going to use this approach, say these things in a matter-of-fact way, not reactive, not emotional. And you can only do that if you're really already on a good path of healing. And if you need more help with that, go back and listen to my podcast or reach out to me for individual coaching or group coaching. I absolutely will help you with turning down some of the reactiveness we have. They, They will not respond well to, you know, when you do say, are you trying to make me feel bad? you know, and you can say it in a very matter of fact, non-emotional way, they're not going to respond well. They're not going to get it. It's, it's not going to, you know, they're not going to all of a sudden validate what you're saying or, or self-reflect, but that doesn't matter. Again, the boundary is for you. Be content knowing that you have called it out and leave it alone. The boundary is to stop making excuses. And this is one of those ways to do it. It's a good way to honor your own boundary. It won't change their behavior. It won't magically fix things. But it is empowering to you as you take control back of your life and of yourself, your your thoughts, your actions, your behaviors, all of this. When you set boundaries with a covert narcissist, please understand that their tactics may increase and probably will increase. They'll increase their efforts to blame you, guilt you, minimize you, intimidate you. Their victim plane will magnify and their anger will probably intensify. But your boundaries are not up for discussion. They are absolutely necessary when dealing with manipulative people. The only people who get upset about you setting boundaries are the ones who are benefiting from you having none. Let me say that again. The only people who get upset about you setting boundaries are the ones who were benefiting from you not having any. Be patient with yourself. Setting boundaries with a covert narcissist, especially when you have not been doing this, is extremely challenging. It is not a one-time event, and it's done and over, and it's certainly not easy. This abusive person has spent a lifetime learning how to manipulate others to get what they want, and you might be brand new to all of this. So if you don't do good with a healthy boundary in a specific situation, have compassion with yourself. Be gracious to yourself. Identify what happened what you would like to maybe have done differently, and move on. This will take some time. Be patient with yourself. I want to make sure that you know that registration is now open for my next round of group coaching. This six-week program is a culmination of all the work I have been doing for so many years. Covert narcissism is impossible to explain to anyone who doesn't get it, who has never lived it, And so in these groups, you connect instantly with people who get it. You don't have to over explain anything to them. You don't have to justify anything to them because we're all in this together and we get it. So if you would like to join one of these groups, jump in soon. These groups will fill up and they start uh, the first week of August. For more information and to register for your place in the group, visit my website at www.covertnarcissism.com. To go straight to the link, it's covertnarcissism.com forward slash group dash session. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.